0: And a beautiful day. The weather's beautiful up here. The trees haven't started changing yet down in New Jersey. We got a little warmer climate than you do. But uh, we enjoy, I guess we're a little bit early. It'll be prettier later on. Plan on being back up here next week. Planning on it. Uh, Don Sisk, I don't know if you know who Don is. He's an old missionary. He says, at my age, I don't buy green bananas. So uh, there's a lot of truth in that. If you'll turn in your Bible to Luke chapter fifteen, I appreciate Brother Chapman inviting us up here and taking care of us and uh you need to try to put a little extra money in the plate to pay for the meeting with the preachers coming in. We do one every July, and uh people really sacrifice for that meeting. We spend about a hundred between a hundred and thirty a hundred fifty thousand on our meeting and uh It's amazing how people that really don't have a lot of money really, really sacrifice. So uh, it's good to have a little part in something big. And uh, it's important. I remember when there was nothing in New England, really. I mean, when we first got saved, there was, you talk about few and far between Bible churches. And uh, it's not exactly like you're overpopulated with Bible churches up here, but it's a whole lot better than it was, I'll tell you that and uh, God is moving in the northeast, and uh, we're not actually New England. We're mid-Atlantic states, but we uh, we look at this northeast corridor between Boston and Washington. You have one out of every four Americans live in that corridor. So Luke chapter 15, we uh, we know the story, I hope well, about the prodigal son. And uh, verse 1 Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. The Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spoke this parable unto them, saying, And we're going to go over to verse number 11. So Jesus has the publicans and the sinners. They heard him gladly. Then he's got the religious crowd. And he said, verse 11, A certain man had two sons, and the younger said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered together, gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and he wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven in thy sight. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. And he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Father, please now I pray, God, that you'll bless this message. I pray, God, that you'll bless your word. And I pray you'd touch our hearts. Lord, give us something in our hearts today. Lord, we don't want to just hear about you, but we want to experience you. We want to know that you are God. There is a God in heaven. Lord, if there's anybody in this room today that isn't a believer, I pray for their soul. I pray they get saved. We love you, God. We praise you. We worship you. You're our God. We need your help. God, without you, we can do nothing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this story. I preach probably more out of this story than any other story in the Bible. I want to give you an introduction and then get into the message. The Bible said Jesus spoke this parable. A parable is an earthly story that teaches a heavenly truth, an earthly story that teaches a spiritual truth, a heavenly truth. Now, in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. And we're going to talk mainly about the one that left home. We call him the prodigal son, even though that word isn't in the text. But it's talking about somebody that's far away from home. And notice, this son had a relationship with his father. He was the son of... The Father was the Father. I mean, that's pretty simple. Being saved, going to heaven, isn't about religion. Mm -hmm. It's about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know just about anybody in this room today, Uh and I don't know who's saved and who's been saved the longest, Mm -hmm. and I don't know who's not even saved. But you need to have a relationship, a personal relationship, with the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. No man taketh it from me. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He didn't say he's a shepherd or the shepherd. He had a personal relationship with the shepherd. The Bible says He was in the world, and the world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not, and they still don't. He came unto His own, His own received Him not, but as many as received Him. To them gave He the power to become the sons of God. Now let me ask you a question. Do you have a personal relationship with the Lord? Do you know the Lord as your Lord, as your Savior? So they had a relationship. Now, this story is not just about how foolish the son is, but it's about how good the father is. I don't know if we should really call this the prodigal son. We ought to maybe call it the loving father. But we miss miss it if all we think about is the son, and we don't see the father's love and the father's heart. This story... Gives hope for every prodigal son and every prodigal daughter. This story is a picture of grace. This father is grace personified. This son comes and says, I'm not worthy. You know what? He was right. We don't go to heaven because we're worthy. We don't get saved because we're worthy. We get saved because of grace. The Bible says by grace are you saved through faith that, not of yourselves, a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So think about the grace of God and how great it is. Notice this. I love this. The father never brings up his sin. The brother does, but the father doesn't even bring it up. He doesn't even mention it. Turn with me. Hold your finger. We're going to come right back here. Isaiah 43, Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 25. God says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. He didn't say I cannot. He said I will not. I choose not to remember your sin. I love that. I love that part about this story. God doesn't deal with us as sinners. He deals with us as sons. Back in Luke chapter 15, notice about this prodigal son. We say that he's backslidden because he's out in the pig pan. People get away. They get out and sin. and We say that person is backslidden. Amen. Now let me say something. He wasn't backsliding because he was in the pig pen he was in the pig pen because he was backslidden Amen. and he didn't get backsliding in the pig pen he got backslidden in the father's house yes. and that ought to scare you Amen. he was he was backsliding before he ever left home because backsliding the Bible talks about the backslider in heart backsliding isn't something that starts in practice it starts in the heart, it starts in the thought. It starts in the mind. Let me say this. The far country is not that far away. The far country, you say, where is the far country? Anywhere out of the will of God. You don't have to be in a pig pen being be in a far country. The song says, I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. Coming home, coming home, never more to Rome. Let me say this. The further away you go, the further it is to get back. The further it is to get back. But the far country is a short way out, but it's a long way back. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Let me say this, eighthly and lastly. This prodigal found out that sin is overrated. He found out sin is overrated. He couldn't wait to get out there. He was excited, man. He couldn't wait to leave. He was going to have a time. He was going to eat, drink, and be merry and live it up and all that. He found out the hard way that sin is overrated. I've been preaching in Atlantic City for 35 years at a rescue mission. When you go into Atlantic City... They have billboards for miles, all the casinos and all the pretty girls and and all the entertainers. And it just, you know, it just looks so good. They make it look so good. And then we pull up at the mission. We see the people laying out in the grass. And you go in and they're laying on the floor. And you see, listen, the devil only shows you the beginning of sin. He don't show you the end of sin. This prodigal found out that sin was overrated. So I want to preach today on what if the prodigal had never left home. Just a little different twist. What if the prodigal had never left home? It, listen, it's glad, we're glad when the prodigal comes home, but it would be a lot better if he'd never left. I mean, there's the father to welcome him home. But how much better would it have been if he never would have left? Let me give you some thoughts. Number one, if he hadn't left, he would not have broken the father's heart. He wouldn't have broken the father's heart. I'm sure when that father watched him walk down that road, his heart went with him. He was aching. He was aching. We're going to come back to Luke 15, but in Acts chapter number 20, the Apostle Paul is going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken to Rome. And he meets with the elders at Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 20 and verse 25, he said, Now behold, I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face No more. Paul had led most of these people to Christ. He prayed for him, prayed for them. They loved him, he loved them. And now it was time to go. It was time to part. Look at verse 36. When he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, yes. that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied, accompanied him unto the ship. Yes. Can you see this picture? Here's Paul. He's old, and he's all knotted up and scarred and broken, and he can't see too good, and he probably isn't very strong. Yes. And he tells them, you know, it's the last time we're going to be together until we get together over there. Yes. And they weep, and they cry, and they pray. And when he's getting ready to leave, he's leaving on a ship. They want to stay with him till the very, very, very end. And they actually get on the ship with him and probably get off just as the ship is cutting the shoreline and getting ready to go. I remember when our oldest son went off to college. It was the first one of our kids going off to school. And I actually drove him to college because I wanted to stay with him as long as I could. He had a Chevette. I don't know if you ever know what a Chevette is, but it's like riding in a torture chamber. You're, you're about six inches off the ground, and we drove off to Hammond, Indiana for him to go to school. Gets out in Hammond, Indiana, and he said, I think God wants me to go to Florida. So if you ever look at a map from New Jersey to Hammond, Indiana to Florida and a Chevette is really something. But you say, why did you ride with him? I just hated to see him go. The real problem with this prodigal, he didn't love the father enough. He didn't love the father enough. His lust for the world was greater than his love for the father. You can't pastor very long until you see people starting to fade on you and drift away and they're gone and you don't know where they are. It's sad. Our church, if we had all the people that we'd reached in the last 40 years or so, I mean, you'd have a traffic jam. The problem is the lust for the world, the lust for sin is greater than love for the Father. If the Son loved the Father like the Father loved the Son, He'd have never left home. You know what our problem is, our biggest problem? You think of all your problems you have. Here's our biggest problem. We don't love God enough. That, that every other problem we have comes from not loving God the way we all love God. They asked Jesus, what's a great commandment? He said, love God. Love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. When I was a little boy, I loved my mom. I loved my dad. We had a, we had a close family. My wife is oldest of 12 Grew up in a Catholic family, was thinking of going into convent. Her dad was a drunk and deserted him. Her family is just the opposite of my family. Amen. I love my mom. I love my dad. It wasn't until we had children that I understood how much my mom and dad loved me. As a child, I loved them as much as I was able to love them. But as an adult, as a father, my capacity of love was just so much greater than when I was a child loving my dad, being a dad loving my child. We can't imagine, we can't fathom the love of God. We can't, we can't even blow the dust off the cover of God's love. It's amazing love. God so loved the world. And you could think the rest of your life how much love is in so, and never understand it all. How much do you love the father? That's the question. Let me say, secondly, if he hadn't left home, he wouldn't ruined his reputation. He wouldn't ruined his reputation. Proverbs 22:1 says, "A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches." Proverbs 20 verse 11 says, "Even a child is known by his doings. We were at a, a teen meeting just a little while ago, and I was leaving, and my grandson, Travis, I said, Travis, remember you're a Clark. Remember you're a clerk." And I'm not, you know, puffed up or anything, but I, I want to remember that he represents our family. And his testimony Listen, his testimony affects everybody in our, in our family. Everybody. We have a family name, and it's Christian. And your testimony and my testimony affects everybody in the family. You know, a testimony takes a lifetime to build and one day to destroy. Think about that. It takes a lifetime to have a good testimony, and takes one day to destroy. The world loves it when you drag the family name through the mud. I mean, the Jimmy Baker and the Jimmy Swaggart and all the scandals. Listen, the world loves it. They, 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 just, they just love it when somebody drags the family name through the mud. Go back with me to First Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 55, when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth? He didn't say, who is this boy? He said, whose son is he? And verse 58, after he brought the giant's head, Saul said, whose son art thou, thou young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Jesse, the Bethlehemite. David represented his whole family. He was out of Jesse's family. Jesse was his father. And David's actions had an effect on everybody's opinion of his whole family. Look in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. 2 Samuel, chapter number 12. In 2 Samuel, chapter 12, Nathan goes to David. He says, Thou art the man. You've sinned against God. David, you're the man. And David repents of his sin with Bathsheba, his sin with Uriah. And in verse number 13, David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said, The Lord also has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Amen. God is merciful to you, David. God's having compassion on you. God's forgiving you. You don't deserve it, but He is. But then He said this, it? because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord, to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Listen, every preacher that falls brings reproach on every other preacher. And every Christian, when we mess up, when we fall, when we go off into sin, when we do whatever we're not supposed to do, we're a reflection on every other Christian. Years ago, I just saved. I used to go to a little, wasn't even a diner, it was just a little coffee shop to have breakfast in the morning. And there was a guy across the street, had an auto body, and, and I was witnessing to him. And he just seemed like really just, not just disinterested, but rude. And I just, you know, he'd talk about fishing, he'd talk about everything, but you brought up the Lord, man, he just got cold. And finally, he said to me one day, he said, He uh, said, you know this little church down the corner down here? Fellowship Baptist Church. It was a Baptist church. I said, yeah, I know that church. He said, well, you know so-and-so? He's a deacon in that church. I said, yeah, yeah, I know him. He said, well, about four years ago, he came in here on a Friday, and he needed his car. And He told me, he said, I don't have a check on me, but I really need my car, and if you can I just take it, and I'll, I'll come by and I'll pay you Monday. He said that was four years ago. He still hasn't come back to pay me. You see, listen, his actions were a reflection on everybody and a reflection on the Lord, and it was a stumbling block to this man. As far as I know, he's still insane, still insane, doubt if he ever will be. Let me say this. If he hadn't left home, he wouldn't have had to live a lifetime of regrets. He wouldn't have had to live a lifetime of regrets. David said, Have mercy upon me, O God according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from my sin. He said, my sin, listen, my sin is ever before me. You know the hardest part of living it up? Living it down. My sin is ever before me. I'm 74 years old, and it's amazing to me what I can't remember. If I shake your hand and you say, I'm John, and I say, I'm Charlie, and I turn around, I'll say, what's that guy's name? It's amazing to me what I can't remember. But you know what else? It's amazing to me what I can't forget. I've already been riding down the t- street in my truck, feel like punching the windshield out, because the devil, the accuser, the brother, yeah. brings some thought back into my life, some regret, some bad thing that was in my life a long time ago. Yeah. Now let me say this. The Holy Spirit never convicts you about a sin that's been forgiven. Amen. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit never convicts you about a sin that's been forgiven. The Bible says if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit will convict you about sin that's unconfessed. But the one that convicts you about sin that's been confessed is the devil. How many, don't raise your hand, you've come down to this altar and you've confessed a sin that you already confessed a long time ago because you got convicted about it, but it wasn't the Holy Ghost because when God forgives, He forgets. Let me make this statement. You never have to regret doing right. You never have to regret doing right. It's a blessing to be saved from sin. It's a blessing to be forgiven for sin. But let me make this statement. It's a greater blessing to be saved from sin than to be saved out of sin. You know, somebody comes in and they were on drugs or they were in prison or, and, and God saved them out of the depths of sin. And that's, that's wonderful when, when people get saved like that. But I'll tell you a better testimony is when somebody gets up and says, you know, I was six years old and I was in Sunday school and I asked the Lord to save me. And I know I'm a sinner, but I've never been out there in that pig pen. I've never been down in them depths of sin. Let me say this, if he hadn't left home, he wouldn't have tore his family apart. He wouldn't have tore his family apart. I'm not going to turn to it for time's sake. The father forgave him, but the brother didn't. He said, what's this music going on? What's all this happy stuff? What's all this singing? They said, man, your brother's come home. Instead of being happy, instead of being joyful, you know what he was? He was angry because his brother had torn up the whole family. Sin tears up families. Sin ruins marriages. Sin hurts children. Look over in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, It came to pass, Brother Roloff used to say, it didn't come to stay, it came to pass. We went to prayer. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Look at that verse. These are the servants of the Most High God. What a privilege, what a blessing to be able to serve God. They show us the way of salvation. What a a blessing to be able to show somebody how to be saved. Now, this woman grieved Paul. Verse 18, he was grieved. Think about this. She had the right message, but she had the wrong spirit. There's a lot of people, the problem isn't the message, it's their spirit. We're supposed to have the spirit of the Lord. We're supposed to have a right spirit. Now, this older brother, listen, he was just as backslidden as the younger brother. As far as we know, he never did get right. The younger brother had a sin problem. The older brother had a spirit problem. He had an attitude problem. He had the wrong spirit. Now, Jesus spoke this parable to the sinners and the publicans, but also the Pharisees. And I believe the real hook in this story is that they're catching on, that he is comparing them to this elder brother. The elder brother, he, listen, he, he wanted to spread the bad news Well, he, he wasted his substance with riotous living and, and with, with, with bad women and all that kind of stuff. And he was unforgiven. He actually accused the father. Listen, we need to have the right behavior, but we need to have the right spirit. We need to have the right spirit. We need to have the spirit of the Lord. Let me say this, and I'm closing quick. If he hadn't left home, he wouldn't have lost everything he had. He spent all. You've heard this. Sin will take you further than you want to go. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Amen. It'll cost you your money, it'll cost you your joy, it'll cost you your health, it'll cost you your testimony, it'll cost you your family, it'll cost you your marriage. If he hadn't left home, he wouldn't have ended up in a pig pen. This world is a pig pen of sin. There's nothing out there. Let me give you the message. That was the introduction. Three points and no poem. Number one, love the Father. Amen. Amen. What did the preacher preach about? Loving the Father. Yes. What do we need to do? Love the Father. The Bible says in First John, love not the world. Neither things are in the world. All that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, pride of life, not of the Father, but of the world. You can't serve two masters can't serve two masters. You're going to love one or love the other, but you can't love them both. Point number one, love the Father. Point number two, don't leave the Father. Don't leave the Father. Look in Revelation chapter 2. The Bible's talking about this church at Ephesus. Revelation 2:2. Two, two, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience. How thou cannot bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say their apostles are not and has found them liars. And has borne as patience. And for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. This is a busy church. It's a busy, busy, busy church. But look at verse 4 Nevertheless, I have someone against thee. Thou hast left thy first love. It's a busy church but it's not a close church. They're not close to God. You can get so busy serving God that you don't have time for God. Martha, Martha, thou art cumbered about with much serving. But Mary's chosen the better part. I'm not saying it's one or the other. I'm saying it's supposed to be both. I want to serve the Lord. I I want to be a servant of the Most High God. I want to show people the way of salvation, but I also want to be close to Him. I want to be close to Him. I don't want to lose my love for the Lord. I don't, nothing can take the place of my time with God and prayer and the Word and on my knees. And then let me say thirdly, number one, the message, love the Father. Number two, don't leave the Father. Number three, don't leave the Father's house. Don't leave the Father's house. This is supposed to be God's day, not game day. But for the world, it's game day. You poor people up here are probably Patriot fans, and I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you about that. But this is not, listen, this is not football. When I started the bus ministry back in 19... 75. People come out of the houses Sunday morning all dressed up for church. All looking good for church. Mm-hmm. Now, you go by, nobody's out of bed. And the people are coming out, got their cheerleading uniform on, their football uniform on, their soccer jerseys on. The big big game day, Sunday's the big traveling team day. Mm. Hebrews 10:25 yeah. not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, right. as the matter of some is, mm-hmm. but so more so much the more as you see the day approaching. In these days, we don't need less church. That's right. We need more church. Amen. Exactly. That's right. Amen. When I'm traveling, It's hard to find a church that's open on Sunday night. The lights are off. The parking lot's empty. Prayer meeting, I don't even know if people know what that is anymore. When we got saved, it was just Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Mm -hmm. prayer meeting. That's just what you did. Today, people have a Sunday morning mentality. And don't take it personal because I don't know who comes back on Sunday night and who don't i'm just saying this you don't need less church you need more god you need more of the word of god you need more uh exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching back in the day when you had a cookout you used to have charcoal didn't have the uh didn't have the (laughs) propane you know a little bottle of gas you get filled and you had charcoal And you know, you take that charcoal and you get it hot and it glows. You got the embers. And if you take those tongs and you take one piece of charcoal and you set it aside, you know what's going to happen? That charcoal, that piece of charcoal, is going to go out. By itself, it's going to go out. You listen to me. You get away from the church. You get away from the house of God, you're going to get away from God. Well, I can worship the Lord in a fishing boat. I can worship the Lord on the golf course. Let me say it again. You get away from the house of God, you're going to get away from God. When you step out that door, just know what you're doing. Because it's going to affect you, it's going to affect your wife, your husband, your family. It's easy to get out of the will of God. Not as easy to get back in. Thank God he gives us a way. He said, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. James chapter 4, verse 8. That father was waiting for that boy to come home. He's sitting there on the porch waiting, looking down that road. And you know what, when that son started coming home, that father ran off that porch and ran down and hugged him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. If you're far away from God or not as close to God as you should be or used to be, God's just waiting for you to come to him, and God will throw his arms around you, and God will hug you, and God will come close to you. Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room that's not saved, Lord, help them to know how much you love them today. That we see Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for our sin. Lord, I pray, God, we. it's easy to get backsliding in heart. hard. It's easy not to love you the way we should. And to get distracted, God, help us. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's anybody today and even in their mind they're in the pig pen of sin. God help us to get rid of it and draw nigh an to you and be close to you. Closer to you than we ever been and love you more than we ever have. Lord help me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand, preacher, you come. Let's everybody stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.